0: All right, Trace, how we doing this morning? Everybody doing all right? Everybody glad to be here? Yeah, glad you're here. Hey, can we give it up one more time for the kiddos that were up here? Man, there's some major flossing going on up here, and I am not even going to attempt that. Every time I attempt that, I look like I'm doing something inappropriate, so I'm not even going to attempt that. But those kids look like they had it nailed down. That was awesome. Hey, my name's Aaron. I am one of the pastors here. We're grateful to have you with us today, especially if this is your first time. We want to extend a special welcome to you. I also want to say welcome to those that will be watching online today. Thanks for joining the conversation. Uh, If you have been coming for any amount of time here, you've likely heard us make this statement before, that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. A few weeks ago we launched what we what many of you know as Trace Church Northgate it's our first church plant that has come out of this church and we're like that's kind of our mission one of our missions here at Trace is to create a network of Trace churches around this city and so this was our first one And I want to celebrate this with you. Uh, Before we launched that church, we were averaging on a weekend attendance between 500 and 550 people. Uh, But now as a church family, we're averaging closer to 700 people every single Sunday. And so can we give it up for what God's doing in and through this place? But on that note, let me just say one more time, numbers don't define us, but stories do. So every number has a name. Every name has a story, and every one of those stories, every one of your stories matters To God. Well, guys, today we do kick off in this new series called Disciple. And so if you're joining us for the first time, it's a great time for you to jump in. I would encourage you to come back, however, for the next three weeks because this is going to be one of those sermon series that will, like the messages that we preach, will actually build on one another. And with that in mind, let me address something that comes up from time to time. Uh, Every now and then somebody will say, Well, hey, Aaron, why didn't you say that or why didn't you mention this? And by no means can we uh, answer everything that we feel like we need to answer or communicate everything we need to communicate in one message. That's why we take a topic, or I'm sorry, a series approach to our topics. And so again, if you ever miss one of those, if you need to be gone, make sure that you catch those online so that you can be a part of the bigger and more broader conversation. Let me do this. Let me take a moment and build a framework for the series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks. Guys, one of my biggest hopes and really prayers in this series is to bring more clarity to what it means to be a Christian. And just a heads up today, today we're actually going to challenge this idea of what it means to be a Christian. And we're going to do a little bit of a word study, and I really do think that at the end of our time together, you will appreciate the fact that we've done this. I believe this series is going to be inspirational for some. I think it's going to be educational for many, but I think it's going to challenge us all. So listen to me really quick. We need to be challenged. We need to be challenged in our faith. We need to even sometimes rethink some of the things in our faith because we grew up learning certain things about the Christian faith that potentially could be wrong, potentially could be wrong. And so I think it's a healthy thing for us to revisit certain things that maybe have become maybe potentially too common in our repertoire or too common in what we think we believe, but maybe we don't know why we believe it. And so without any further ado, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn them open or turn them on. Uh, the first place that we'll find ourselves today in Acts chapter 11, but we're going to do something before we get there, so it'll be a little bit before we get there. we got some material that I'd like to cover, so let me start here. There's several different things that we say in our lives to describe like who we are or what we are, and there's different titles that we use. Uh, for instance, if you're from Egypt, right, you're an Egyptian. We all get this, right? We all, we all know what an American is. We all know what a Kentuckian is, the coolest people ever, right? I think we all know this. But what about this word? What about Christian? Do, do we know what that is? Is it that clear? I mean, if we were to walk downtown Colorado Springs and you were to ask 10 different people, uh, what, it, what, what is a Christian? It's possible that you could get 10 different answers, right? You see, I think there's ambiguity behind this term which is why I want to spend some time talking about this, doing a little bit of a word study on it, and actually talk to you about why there is so much confusion and why so much ambiguity has been built around the word Christian. For some of you, when, or if you were asked if you were a Christian, you might give this answer, yes, but, because you would feel like that you would need to explain something. Others would say no, because. Still, others may follow up with a qualifying question, well, what do you mean by Christian, because... I want to be clear, I'm not one of those Christians. I'm not a Baptist. No, I grew up Baptist, I'm allowed to say that. For some, of, for some of you, if someone were to ask if you were a Christian, maybe you think about what it was that actually made you a Christian, right? Some of you grew up in a faith brand that said, "Well, if you say this prayer, if you say this prayer of salvation, then you're a Christian. Others might have been taught, well, as long as you've been baptized, then you can be a Christian, Still others were taught that if you go through this process and this procedure and go through this confirmation class, then you can become a Christian. Maybe you grew up in a brand of faith that said that you were the one true Christians, right? For my Catholic friends in here, maybe some of you were told that you were a part of the one true church. And as as much as I love my Catholic friends, you're not the one true church. Many of us have friends family members, some of you, this is the story of your kids that would actually say this. Well, I was, I was a Christian, but then there's some of us that grew up in a way where it's like, well, what do you mean was? There is no was. Once a Christian, always a, but then there are still others that would say, well, no, that's not how I grew up because I grew up learning that if you committed certain sins, that you could be a Christian, but because of those sins, you could no longer be a Christian. For some Christian traditions, it's all about what you believe, where others, it's all about how you behave. Guys, think about it. If Christianity is this subjective among those of us who believe, imagine how ambiguous it is to those who don't. And based on how many expressions that we see and hear underneath this huge umbrella of this faith that we call Christianity, I think there's something inside all of us that feels like we need to qualify it when somebody says, hey, are you a Christian? I bet all of us know probably somebody, some, someone along the way that actually has said, man, I hate, I hate Christians. Could have been your story. Maybe some of you know somebody that would have made this sentiment. I don't want anything to do with those judgmental, homophobic hypocrites who think they're the only ones going to heaven while the rest of us are going to hell. Hey, if heaven is where the Christians are, I'll take my chances on hell. Now, some of you may already be thinking, Aaron, where in the world are you going with this? So let me pause and let you know up front. I'm not going to suggest today that we get rid of the word Christian. But I would like to suggest that there's a better way to describe ourselves. You see, when we describe ourselves by something that is so subjective, so loosely defined, we could potentially miss the mission that Jesus has called us to. So for the sake of clarity and study, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to show you where we actually get the word Christian, because interesting enough, Jesus never used that term. It was a term used by people outside the faith to describe those inside the faith. In other words, as the Christian church was starting to get formed in the beginning, right after Jesus ascended into heaven, and we read the book of Acts, and the church is starting to come together together. There were these group of people, we obviously know them to be believers in Jesus, and so the outsiders looking in would have kind of looked at them and said, hey, there are those, because again, these are, it's a new group, it's like, there are those, those, those Christians, likely this would have been used in a derogatory way, most scholars believe that. There are those Christians, which the word Christian at that time would have just meant those of Jesus, or those of Christ, There are those Christians, maybe a modern way to explain it would be when we look at Patriot fans, like there are those those Patriot fans, right? If you're a Patriot fan, Jesus loves you. The rest of us are still struggling, but Jesus Jesus does love you. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, the word Christian is only used three times. Three times in our entire Bibles, obviously in the New Covenant. Now, for the first time we see this word surface is in Acts chapter 11, so let me do this. I want to build kind of a scene for you of what's happening before we jump into the passage where we first see the word Christian surface, and so this is how I'll kind of build this. In the early church, there was this movement happening in Jerusalem where all these people are coming to faith in Jesus, and as all these people come to faith in Jesus, the, the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders are kind of looking back, and it's like, we don't, we, we don't like this. You got the Jewish leaders that are kind of protecting the temple model of doing, you know, the temple model of faith, and they're like, whoa, 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 these Nazarenes, which is oftentimes what the, what the Jewish leaders would have called this new sect of believers in Jesus, those Nazarenes, man, they're going to mess things up for us, and so they re- receive great persecution from the Jewish leaders, and then on the other side, you got the Roman leaders who are like, wait a minute, wait. there's another king, t- I keep, we keep hearing this name, like King Jesus, like who's this king, there's only one king, it's Caesar. And so now you got persecution coming from both sides, which causes the early believers to scatter. And they go throughout different regions around Jerusalem, and many of them ended up in a city called Antioch, which is modern day Turkey. At that time, this region would have been full of Greeks. Now, news gets back to Jerusalem after some time has transpired that there are a lot of Greek-speaking people coming to faith in Jesus. And so the leaders in Jerusalem, which would have been like James, the brother of Jesus, and John, one of the apostles, and Peter, one of the apostles, they said, okay, we need to send someone to see what's happening there. And so they send a guy by the name of Barnabas to Antioch. Once Barnabas gets to Antioch and he sees what's happening, he realizes he's going to need some backup. And so he decides to go and find this guy by the name of Saul. At this time, Saul is still living in his home city. And many of you know what this is. This is a little Bible quiz for you. He was Saul of Tarsus. And we pick up in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he found him, when, when Barnabas found Saul, later we know him referred to as Paul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It wasn't a name that they went by. It wasn't a name that they used to describe themselves by. It was a name given to them by people outside the church looking in. There are those, those Christians. Now, let me share one more piece of history with you that will build the case of where we get this word Christian and how it was associated to them, by belie- not by believers, but by, by people outside of the church. One of the earliest, most reliable historians that wrote about the early church is a guy by the name of Tacitus. He was among the Roman elite, and he would have been considered um, privileged in that way. In other words, he would have probably had some behind-the-scenes footage and information, which gave him uh, a better lens into seeing what, what was happening with this whole Christian movement. And one of the things that happens uh, in the early, you know, in the first century is Tacitus is observing a emperor in Rome called Nero. Now, Nero was accused of burning down Rome in 64 AD. All this is important. Stay with me. Uh, Nero was accused of burning down Rome in 64 AD. And uh, the reason he did that, scholars say, is because he wanted to rebuild Rome the way that he wanted it, the way that he liked it wasn't a really good political move on his part. But there's an excerpt from Tacitus that builds really clearly into our conversation today. Let me read it to you. Consequently, to get rid of the report, the report would have been that Nero was the one who burned down Rome. Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite torture on a class hated for their abominations called Christians. Notice, not by themselves, not something they associated themselves by, but they were called that by the populace. Quick side note, the other two references that we see in our New Testaments, uh, where we see the word Christian, is Acts chapter 26, verse 28, when Paul stands in front of King Agrippa, and he's trying to convince him of something, and King Agrippa is like, whoa, 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 wait, are you trying to make a Christian out of me? Again, a word, it was used in a negative connotation, and then once again, the last one is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16, when Peter is associating the torture and the torment that they are going through uh, as Christians, as this group of people that have been uh, labeled by out- outsiders. Now, listen to me. Why does all of that matter? It matters because we need to be true to the text. And I think it's important that you know that Christians, they didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves something else. And the reason that I've gone to so much effort <laughs> To build the case for this conversation is because the term that they did use, listen to me, I think is going to challenge our complacency this morning. My guess is you've probably figured it out by now because, yes, it is the title of our series. They went by the name or the word disciple. And unlike Christianity, disciple had a very clear definition. In the Greek, the name is Mathetus, one of the two. It's all Greek to me. Um, (laughs) See what I did there? See what I did there? Okay, all right. Which was a learner, a pupil, an apprentice, a follower. Something that you need to note here. You see, a disciple was really clear. A disciple, there were many disciples for different rabbis in that region. Obviously, Jesus was a rabbi, and so what a disciple would do is say, hey, rabbi, I got this thing going on in my life over here. What would you do? Because whatever you would do, I'm going to do that hey, I've got this situation where there's some conflict, and I'm trying to figure out what to say. What would you say? Because whatever you would say, that's what I'm going to say. You see, a disciple was clearly defined. They followed their leader. In our case, they followed their Messiah. They followed their leader and Lord. Let me show you just a few references where we see this word used in a descriptive way to that was assigned to the early believers in Acts chapter six verse seven. And for the sake of crowd participation, every time you see the word disciples or disciple, go ahead and say it out loud for me. So the word of the so the word of God spread, and the number of in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Next one, Acts chapter nine. When he came to Jerusalem, this would have been Paul. He tried to join the, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a Last one. Now there was in Joppa a named Tabitha. So this is all-inclusive. This is not just about guys, even in the early church. Ladies, this included you. Which translated means dorsus. I think her little brother probably said It's Probably what I would guess. She was full of good works and acts of charity. You see, unlike Christianity, the word disciple is clearly defined. And better yet, Clearly defined by Jesus, Luke 9 23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, for those of you wondering, am I asking you to re- start referring to yourselves as a disciple from now on? Not necessarily. But for the sake of illustrating my point, let's play this out. What if you did? what if you did start to describe yourself as a disciple? You see, I think there's something in all of us that kind of cringes a little bit about that. It's like, man, that sounds kind of weird. I mean, play this out, right? If you were to tell people, hey, what do you believe? I'm a disciple. Some of you are like, ah, that sounds too weird. That sounds too serious. I mean, if I were to call myself a disciple, it means I would need to be more committed. And Jesus would say, exactly. You see, one of the things that I say in leadership circles, often sounds like this. You can't delegate what you can't define. And so when we go around and we kind of fall underneath this big, broad umbrella of this thing called Christianity, where it's defined so many different ways, some of us, maybe still to this day, maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you still don't know exactly what that means. But when we get to the word disciple, something that is clearly defined, friends, it holds us to a different level of accountability, doesn't it? I mean, I know this doesn't have exact, you know, parallels, but it does have some. You see, when we have a clear definition of who we are, it should be a lot easier to describe, but more importantly, it should be a lot easier to demonstrate. One of the unfortunate things about the broadness of Christianity is that we can hide behind it. Do you know why we have so many Christian denominations? Why Christians still have a hard time getting along? Why there's been, there have been so many spin-offs? Of Christianity that's led to cults. Do you know why we have Christians on both sides of several different political and theological arguments? It's because the word Christian is not defined in our New Testament, giving way to a very loose, a very subjective, and possibly even passive way to degri- des- I'm sorry, describe something that we believe. Friends, listen to me. People condemn others in the name of Christianity. They go to war in the name of christianity they spew hatred in the name of christianity they manipulate for money in the name of christianity but a disciple a disciple denies themselves god this is kind of what i'd like this is where i'd like to go this is what i would like to do but If you need me to, I'm going to deny that, right? I'm going to stop making everything about me, God, so that I can start making more of my life about you. A disciple picks up their own cross daily. God, I know there are some sacrifices that I need to make in my life so that I can pursue your agenda, so that I can pursue your kingdom and not just my own agenda and build my own kingdom. Friends, think how different, listen to me, think how different our faith would be in this world would be if we would simply use that as our guide. Instead of arguing about who has the right theology, how church should be really done, which version of the Bible to read, think how different our faith would be, would be if we started telling people what we do versus something we are. You know where I learned this in a really tangible way? I've been to Egypt two different times in my life now. And we do have a guy that tunes in from time to time from Egypt. His name is Ayman. Ayman, if you're watching, man, love you. Thanks for tuning in. But I learned this in my training going to Egypt, which is a country that's 98% Muslim. And some of you might have this perception, you go over there, if you say you're a Christian, you're going to be beaten and flogged and thrown in jail. It's not true in most cases. I've been over there, and many people will tell you that they're a Christian. But again, 98% Muslim. But when you tell them you're a Christian, what they define a Christian as is not what you want to be associated with. And so we learn to tell them what we do. I'm a follower of Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. And I screw up at it every day. That's why I'm so thankful for his grace. Because no matter how many times I fail, his grace fills in the gap between me and God. I'm trying to pursue the fullness of both grace and truth. I'm trying to learn what it looks like to lose sight of myself so that I can be more available for other people. Learn how to love people the way that Jesus did through servant leadership. Imagine, friends, imagine what church would look like. Imagine what this church would look like if we started to tell people what we did versus something that we are because everybody's defining Christianity differently. One of the things that... God continues to teach me, is that it's possible for me to hide. It's possible for me to hide behind the word Christian, because I don't have to say anything outside of that, right? It's an easy, one quick word, blanket answer. I'm a Christian, and if we're not careful, sometimes we might find ourselves hiding behind a word that you really don't know how others are defining, and I think that's dangerous, guys, I really do. I don't think it's very helpful for the church. Let me read to you one more verse where Jesus is clear in describing what it means to be a disciple of his. John chapter 13, Jesus says this. He says, a new command that I give you to love one another is I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, this is a huge transitional, pivotal word here. By this, everyone will know that you're my... Let's try it again. By this, everyone will know that you're my... If if you love one another not just love one another but the way that i loved you and so how did jesus love us he was interruptible he was interruptible he was available he was full of grace and truth he modeled servant leadership And he was always living on mission, a mission that even caused him to give up his very life so that you and I could have it. So can I ask you a very serious and important question today? Are you hiding behind the name Christian? Because Jesus made crystal clear what it meant for us to be followers of his, what it meant to be a disciple, and it's possible. I've done it. I've done it. Is it possible that you're hiding behind the name Christian? christian and you're describing when somebody asks you what you believe you're describing something that you are which we never see in the new covenant you're describing something you are versus something you do or more importantly someone you follow is it possible that this describes you and if it's true the best place that you can start with today is truth a foundation of truth so that we can continue to move forward together but let me be clear Friends, Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could hide behind a name. He died so that we could live out a mission with boldness and with clarity. A mission that requires us to know what we are and, more importantly, whose we are before we can fulfill it. And just in case you have forgotten, let me remind you of this mission that our Lord and our Savior, our Messiah, our Rabbi, let me remind you of the mission that he put us on before he ascended into heaven. It was the very last words that he gave to his disciples, Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? (laughs) Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's get really practical. This is Jesus' biggest commission for us, right? This is when he puts us on mission. Every single one of you, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, have been put on a mission to make more disciples. But let's get really clear and really practical. How foolish would it be of us to think that we can make something that we're not already ourselves? How foolish would it be of us to think that we can make other disciples when we're not even clear what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Over the course of this series that I hope you keep coming back for, we're going to continue to unfold this picture of what it means not to just be a Christian. And I hope you hear me today. It's not like I don't want to get caught up. I don't want you to feel like you've got to dismiss the word Christian altogether. I just think there's a better way to describe what we do and not what we are. And so over the course of this series, we're going to unfold what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it looks like to live on mission for him. And we're going to pick up there next week. Let me pray for us. God, it's so easy to hide behind a word. And God, what we don't know is that when we hide behind this big, broad term called Christian or Christianity, we forget how many people are defining it in different ways. They're defining it in ways that we don't want to be associated with. And so, God, would you show us and continue to convict us and prompt us to move in a direction that describes what we do and who we follow versus something that we are? Because I don't think that really helps the overall mission of what you put us on as disciples of Jesus. And so, God, I think at some point, I think I could go I'd be so bold to say that we've probably all been guilty of this at some point in our life. I think I could be so bold to say there's some people in this room that are still hiding behind the name Christian. I could be so bold to say that there are some people in here that maybe are Christian by name only. And if that's true, God, let us, let's, let's start there. Let's start there, but let's begin to take steps in the direction of Jesus, learning what it looks like to deny ourselves, to pick up our own cross, and to follow you every single day. We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.